Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I am Nikki Cross and today I want to address the elephant in the personal development room. I know as a business owner that I am meant to share testimonials and display my work so that people understand it, so that people understand who I am and can trust the their own judgments around my style and the way that I help my clients so that they can make an informed decision as to whether it is the right thing for them to work with me right now. I get it. I know what I'm supposed to do. But one of the things that comes up in my own testimonials that I receive, and it's come up this week, and it's something that I brought to one of my own coaching calls where I was being coached today. And I thought, do you know what? I actually need to address this on the Inner Work Conversation because I know that you guys who come to this podcast every single week are the most engaged in my work. Um, So here's the thing. Most testimonials, they're used by business owners or businesses to market, to show and demonstrate how fantastic something is. But my testimonials always seem to have a variant of a certain line that I think needs explaining. So this line, I actually posted something over on Instagram uh, just yesterday or the day before, something like that, that was you'll be able to find it. If you're on my Instagram, you'll be able to see it. It's a blue post. It says actual feedback from the Thrive First Method members. And there's comments underneath and there's comments in my inbox that I'm still yet to post on the actual post when I get around to it. And if you look at these comments, they all have a similar trend. They all have a similar theme. So they all give, you know, the person's, um, reference point and the person's honest opinion of what it's like to work with me. But they all say, variations of, and I'm reading here, uh, there is no hiding in this work. Enter only if you're prepared to be honest, reflected, sorry, reflective, and prepared to grow and do the hard inner work to change and grow. And I needn't go on because you could easily go onto my website and find variations of the same thing. And you could go onto episodes on the inner work conversation and you can hear the same thing. So if you, for example, if you go to episode 167, which is an interview with one of my clients, you will hear exactly the same thing. It's a co-creation. My work is a co-creation. My clients come to the table and part of their experience and part of their, um, part of the outcome that they gain from doing this work does actually come from them. And I think that there's a gap there in when people are saying you've got to be prepared to show up and do the work, I think that from anyone on the outside looking in, I would have the question of, well, what is that? What does that look like? When people are saying you've got to be prepared to show up and do the work, there's no hiding in this work. You've got to be prepared to be honest and reflective and prepared to grow. It's like, yeah, so what does that look like? What is the work? And further to that, how do I how am I supported in doing the work? So that's what I want to talk to you about because whether you're ever going to come and do this work with me, Nikki Cross, or perhaps you're going to go and do this work with another coach or another service provider, or maybe you are only ever going to listen to podcasts and watch free resources. I think that there is value in someone somewhere just highlighting what the fuck does it mean when someone says do the work. So I've got a few notes for this episode and I know fine well that I'm even with some notes, I'm going to leave some stuff out, but I can always record maybe a part two of this episode, but let me get into it. 
When people say, when my clients say, you've got to be prepared to show up and do the work. Here are a couple of examples of what I believe that they mean. The first one is, you've got to really be prepared to define what it is that you actually want. Now, I know that I have a um, an episode on this and I'm just finding it now because I've literally just been hovering over it. It's episode 179. <laughs> yeah, 179. Owning what you want isn't the easy option. Here's why. So, what I'm not going to do in this episode is go into great detail on each of these points. I'm going to give an overview and then I'm going to move on. And anytime I'm going to do exactly that, anytime where I know I've gone into other detail around each one of these points, I'm going to trust that you've got your notes app in your hand or a pen and paper in your hand and you are referencing the episodes that I am giving to you and you're going to go and listen to them next. So the ones that I've mentioned already are episode 167, which is an interview with one of my clients, episode 179, owning what you want isn't the easy route. Let's carry on with this episode. The Doing the work, number one, it you've got to be able to define what you actually want. Now, that might sound easy. That It might sound really easy and you might be listening to this thinking, well, I don't really have a problem with defining what I want. Let me tell you why my clients find this hard. It's hard because of a, a few reasons, really. Number one, they find it hard because up until this point, what they've defined as what they want has been performative. And what I mean by that is for a lot of my clients, when they've been defining what they want, what they realize when they come to my work is, oh, I've been doing that in a performative way but for two reasons. Number one, because there have been influences in my life and maybe that is parents, maybe that is um, friendship groups, peer pressure. Sometimes there's been expectations in their lives of what they should want or what is normal for someone like them to want. So what that can often look like is my client's experience a shift in them, their ownership of what they want and their definition of what they want for themselves because they realize that the way they've been defining what they want previously has been based on someone else's yardstick of what good looks like, you know? So as an example, I remember when my mum passed away and when my dad started declining with dementia, I remember I had a real period of my life where I was like, well, hang on a minute, if these pe- if these people are no longer in my life and they were such beautiful and wonderful people but they really valued things like you know security and hard work in the really traditional sense they did not value as far as i was aware they didn't value following your passions going after what you want um sort of turning your back on work in the 5 day week work overtime doesn't matter if you don't like your job it was like I suppose what I'm trying to say is their definition of what good looked like wasn't the definition of what I was creating in my business. I was creating in my business. um, By the way, I'm using myself as an example just so that you can see it applies to us all, right? What I was creating in my business was freedom and flexibility to create from what I wanted to do, not what my boss needed me to do to get the job done and therefore for me to be safe. Does it make sense? So like, People, when they struggle to define what they actually want because they've they've been defining what they want and it's been out of alignment with actually what they really, truly, deep down want. And so there's a piece of work to do that 
we have to make it safe for them to actually want what they want, not what their expectations of others have been of them to make them be perceived as a good girl or a good person. So that's like the first thing. The other reason why it's hard to really own what you truly authentically want sometimes is simply because of influences. Think about the things that you do on a daily basis. Think about the way that you open up your phone and maybe you go onto a social media app where the people that you're following or your um, search page is filled with content of people meditating or people journaling or people sitting very still and getting connected to themselves. Not everyone is like that. Not everyone connects to themselves by sitting still and meditating and journaling. Some people connect to themselves. Like I've got one client in particular, her chart is right in front of my eyes. I can see it. And I can see that there's a lot of energy connecting. Um, Sorry, I'm speaking in very like, uh, you know, out there language, but basically she's someone who needs to speak things out loud in order to make sense of them. And that's how she hears herself. And that's how she understands what is true to her and what is fucking not true to her. But if she was to go on social media, she's going to see all of these other people journaling and sitting very quietly and being with themselves. And therefore it's sometimes hard for us to connect to what we want because we're being influenced by the world and its dog, that we should be going about it a certain way. So that can be the first reason why it's hard to define what you really want. The second reason why it can be really hard is because once you say it, you then own it. When you're in my world, and this is, I think that, think when people say, you know, it's not easy, the work isn't easy, um, this is probably the beginning of of what they mean. Once you define what you really want, okay, let me rewind a little minute. Sometimes it's easier Um, sometimes we prefer the discomfort of not saying out loud and not owning up to ourselves about what we really truly want because it can feel like we're not going to be able to create it. We don't trust ourselves to achieve it. We don't believe or back ourselves strongly enough to go after it. And so it's easier to sort of put it in Monica's closet and just tidy it away and lock it up and bury it underneath a load of clothes because uh, uh, like really openly and I'm not I'm not talking about with lots of people I'm talking about just with yourself owning what you want out loud can be such a difficult thing to do because once you say it and once you see it and once you feel what it might feel like to own that and have that as a potential actualization as a potential reality in when you're in my world and when you're supported by me, I help you to take ownership of it. And I'm going to get to the how um, in the second part of this episode. So stick with me because that's what's coming. So the first off, I should have introduced it this way. First part of this episode is about what actually is the work. Why actually is it hard? Why do people, why are the testimonials that people leave for me? Why do they often say, be prepared to show up and do the work? What is the work? And the second part of this episode is I'm going to be talking about how, how do I support you to do that? Because that is the work, that is the work that I do. So the second reason why it's usually hard to define what you actually want is because once you say it, you're responsible for it. Once you say it, it means that you take ownership of it. You can't hide from it anymore. And lastly, on this particular point, that might be hard. It might be hard as in 
not just to admit it to yourself, to say it out loud, to take ownership and responsibility of it. I'm talking about the practicalities. The practicalities of owning what you want may well mean that it identifies that you need to be a beginner. You know, if you, if let's say you came to my world and was like, look, Nick, the thing that I've been really hiding from myself is I want to sing or I want to be the UK's best guitarist. Okay, cool. Can you play the guitar? No. <laughs> so automatically what we're, what we're facing together there is what my traditional learning and development um, person would say is a learn is a training needs analysis. You are going to have to be prepared to be a bit of a beginner again. And what I mean by that is, this gonna for for us adults in the world, we often walk around with the perception of we, you know, I've got this title as adult, and therefore I should be behaving in adult ways. And I've got this title of director or business owner, and therefore therefore people perceive me to have my shit together. And I've got to. I've got to show that to the world. And it's like, when you when you define what you want and what you want includes being a beginner or going back to basics, or it highlights that you don't have all the skills or knowledge that you need, and therefore you're going to have to deal with that and develop in those ways, that can be tricky. It can be really tricky because it means accepting that you're not you're not going to be able to show up as this polished article, but instead you're going to have to do that work. That's the work for you. And it's not just the work of developing, it's also the work of holding yourself in that space and not making yourself bad or wrong or weird or odd or behind or weak or less than because you're a beginner. So that was like bit one of this episode is what is the inner work? The inner work is about defining what you want. Secondly, I've got three bits here and then I'm going to move on to how I support my clients. Secondly, a lot of the time the work is about not avoiding yourself. Now, that so fucking vague. I've got such specific examples. I've got three very specific examples to give you here. So not avoiding yourself in the way that you respond to situations, not avoiding yourself in the way you behave in the gap. I've got something to say on this, bear with. And not avoiding yourself in the way that you are with yourself, the way that you treat yourself. So let's start. Number one, stop avoiding yourself in the way you respond to situations. Um, listen, for people who come into my world, they are aware of the feelings that they have that are generated from the way they are responding to situations. To be honest, it's normally from the way that they are reacting to situations. And one of the, I'm going to get into this in the how section, but one of the things that I help my clients to do is to slow down their inner process so that they can choose differently. And that I've simplified that massively because it is something that is a skill that can be developed. But a lot of my clients, when they come to my world, they realize that they haven't really been an active participant in how they're responding to the world. And it can feel a lot of the time for them when they first come to the doors, they, it can feel a little bit like life and business is just happening to them. And they're a victim in their inner world of all of the things. And actually the inner work that we do together is slowing them their inner world down just enough so that they can see that actually they can change the way that they respond to situations. And that leads me into my next point. Stop avoid they, the inner work is about stopping avoiding yourself in the way that you behave in the gap. Now, what does this look like in the gap? What am I talking about here? 
we all have assumptions that come from conditioning. All of us. We all have assumptions about ourselves. We all have assumptions about business and opportunities and money. We all have assumptions about other people, you know? Basically, what I mean here is in the gap, in the not knowing, in the time between, the space between when you sent that text or that email or that proposal, our assumptions can jump in and try to help us avoid the discomfort of the not knowing by adding in an assumption. And at a surface level, our assumptions aren't that dangerous until you believe them, until you treat them as fact, until you internalize them and take action from them, until the constant, incessant checking, did they respond to me? Is my assumption right? Until you start analyzing yourself and your actions, until you project your assumptions onto the world and people. For example, let's say that you are a service provider and you've sent your proposal across to a client and it's been 24 hours and they've not responded to you. How do you how do you respond in that gap of not knowing? How do you deal with the uncertainty of not knowing? That is what I mean here, how you behave in the gap. And what I help my clients to do is develop more tolerance to uncertainty and um a greater awareness of themselves in the gap and better skills to respond to the gap in healthy ways. Because what normally happens is they have an escape tactic to help them avoid the discomfort of the uncertainty. Now, for some of, so for some people, the escape tactic is blame, judgment, anger. It's an evasion tactic. It's like, I am not comfortable in the space between, in the gap of not knowing, in the uncertainty. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to blame and be angry. And what that can sound like is, how fucking dare they? I sent the proposal. I took my time doing that. And they've just ghosted me. They've completely blanked me. How fucking dare they? For others, it's logic. Like I often find this with a lot of my clients, really. They'll they'll try and logic their way out of it. So they'll be like, well, yeah, no, I understand that they're busy, but it feels like this. And they try and logic, they avoid themselves by logicking their way out of how they feel. And that, it's it's almost like drinking alcohol. It's like that glass of wine works just for a minute, but the underlying feeling that is the discomfort of the uncertainty is still there underneath. It was just a sticky plaster. The logic is just a sticky plaster. For others, it's deciding I can't cope. It's all fucked. I can't cope. And I've literally seen people at the brink of closing businesses or talking themselves out of being able to do a job because of the way that they deal with themselves in the gap. That's why I say it's dangerous. I'm not being dramatic. I'm saying it can be dangerous because in the silence, in the not knowing, in the uncertainty, in the gap, we want to avoid ourselves because we want to avoid the discomfort. And that's the work. Part of the work is developing tolerance to the uncomfortable situations. And that's what people mean when they say, if you're going to go and work with Nikki, be prepared to do this work. That's what they mean. I am not going to let, I'm not going to let you think that you can avoid or distract or positivity talk yourself out of the discomfort of these situations. Instead, I'm going to expand your tolerance for the discomfort by dealing with the underlying um, things that drive your assumptions in the first place, right? So that's what I mentioned earlier. Say, for example, when some when there's a gap, a space between, and one of the things that you think is, well, you know what, I sent my proposal, but maybe they just realise that it's shit 
and maybe I've just been found out or maybe they have judged that my prices are too expensive or whatever that is, more likely than not, your assumptions are coming from a place of wounds, uh, deep conditioning, uh, things, fears that are your inner world being left unchecked. And that's what I am there to hold your hand through is getting to the root of where are those assumptions actually coming from? Let's deal with the root of the issue. And by the way, I'm going to talk about this in a minute. I don't mean let's go back and do some therapy on where those originated from. I am not a therapist, so I can't do that work, nor will I. But what I can do is make it easy for you not to get stuck in the why, but instead acknowledge it, recognize why you might be doing what you're doing, why you might be thinking in the ways that you're thinking and help you to move through the way that that feels so that you can deal with business right now, so that you can deal with yourself right now without burning it all to the ground or wanting to burn it all to the ground or wanting to hide underneath a rock, you know? Uh, so that's that. And then the last, <laughs> and then the last point on this, do you know, in this episode, I actually thought, am I going to have enough to say? And actually it's, I'm that enthused about this work and about talking to you guys about it. It's getting to the point 20 minutes in, do I have to split this into two parts? No, Nikki, keep going. Let's go. The last bit is the way you are with yourself and the way that you treat yourself. I know that when my clients leave me testimonials and say, you've got to be prepared to do the inner work and you've got to be prepared to be honest. When people come to coaching with me, when people have the service that is coaching your back pocket, which is a new one. By the way, that's not a new one to my current clients. My current clients have had access to this for a long time. This is a new one to the public. You can see it on my website. But whenever anyone is voice noting me or on a coaching call with me, when people say in their testimonials, you've got to be prepared to be honest, what I think that they are particularly referring to is you've got to be honest with me and with your, therefore with yourself about the way you're treating yourself. About, and that is through your actions, that is through um, how you perceive yourself and the way you're speaking to yourself. That is through what you will and won't allow yourself to believe about yourself. It's where you're willing to go. Like the where you're willing to go on your coaching calls, it, you know, when people say, are you willing to go there? If you're willing to go there, I can go there with you and I can help you through that. But if you're not willing to go there and if you're just wanting to skip over it and you're just, I, I have this saying where I say, if you want the rain, but you don't want to get wet, my work's not for you. It's not for you. And I think that I recognize that it's not, that's not a bad thing. It's not, it's not for everyone. And I acknowledge that and I accept that, but it is for the people. Like I was on a, I was on a inquiry call with someone the other day and I was digging and digging and she was joking saying, God, we got really deep really quickly. And I'm like, yeah, because I need to know that you are sick of your own shit. I need to know that you are at a point where you are willing to do the work and you're willing to change the ways that you are cycling in at the moment, because that's where I work with people. And if you're not in that place, I don't think it's the right investment for you. And that's okay. You know, like that's why I, I think I mentioned this a few episodes back, but 
Over the summer, I had an inquiry call with someone who'd been recommended from one of my one-to-one clients and she'd never listened to any of the inner work conversation. She hasn't engaged with any of my Instagram material. She just knew that from the way that my client had explained our work that she wanted to jump on an inquiry call, which is totally fine. Um, What I recommended to her eventually, having been on the call with her, was I think that you should go and listen to my free content. And the reason that I said that was because when people listen to the inner work conversation, I want you to know it's not just benefiting you. It's also benefiting me because when you listen to the inner work conversation, you get to know me very well. Like this is, and that's the reason why I also include episodes like um, the ones that, where I share my actual work. So we're talking about episode 150, where you can hear me work live and episode 158, another episode where you can hear me work live. These are these are episodes where I'm sharing my actual work with you. It benefits me when you've been at the Inner Work Conversation, when you've been consuming my free content for a long time. Do you know why? It benefits me because I know that in turning up to the Inner Work Conversation, in listening to this kind of content, I already know that you've done some of the development that is required to do this work with me. So if you are someone who's listened to a lot of the Inner Work Conversation, a lot of my episodes, and you're thinking about working with me, please know that you are in a prime position to come and do this work because you've, by osmosis, You've already been listening to content and been thinking in ways. And I know that you've been challenged by me to be thinking in certain ways that it's it's almost like a prerequisite to um, the lead up, the pre-work to the actual work that I do. So let me just move on to the last part of this episode and then I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, so what have I covered already? Testimonials, when people say the inner work, what does that actually mean? So that's what the episode has been about so far. I also wanted to cover in this episode, what, what, how, (laughs) how, how do I actually work with my clients? How do I support them? The number one thing, uh, listen, I'm not going to be able to detail everything here, nor do I want to, like, if I was to do that, it would be going back over the 18 years experience in learning and development and telling you about all the theory and the ways that I develop my, the ways that I structure and develop my packages and services and workshops and coaching. Because there are, there's, there's theory behind all of this. I'm not just making it up. I do just turn up to a lot of my calls, but I'm not just making it up. It's all on the basis of the bloody 18 plus years experience that I've got in doing this actual work. But I am going to tell you about how I do it and the style in which I do it. And the number one thing that I want to touch on is grace. So many people come to coaching and the underlying um, thing that is happening in their mind and it's torturing them, it's menacing for them, is on top of what they're already experiencing, which is already usually very difficult, they're also giving themselves a heap of shit as well. So they might be going through something in business or in their life. And then on top of that, they're like, and I should be able to cope with this. And I should be better than this. And I should be able to deal with this. Or I should have figured this out by now. And why the fuck can't I just do this? It's very simple. Or I can see this in others. Why can't I see it in myself? And the number one thing that I think Every all of my clients would agree that is 
the biggest part, it's the biggest thread, it's the biggest undercurrent of my work is grace and removing shame, making it lighter for us to be able to deal with together. Because, and I think that there's like a big um, misconception about what grace actually is. And I've done episodes on it. So if you wanted to search the episodes that I've done that include grace, just go to the search engine on any of the listening platforms that you're on, Spotify, Apple, whatever, and just type in grace because I've got a few episodes where I talk about it. But I think people confuse grace for being nice. And I know that the professional upbringing that a lot of my clients have had is I will only do it if I'm a bitch to myself. I'll only do it if I'm mean to myself and I can't get myself to motivate myself enough to do something unless I'm mean to myself. And when I mention grace for the first time, people are like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) That's fluffy. But grace is actually a very powerful tool because what it does is remove the layer of shit that you're giving yourself on top of the things that you're already going through. Grace isn't about being kind. Grace is about making sure that you remember you're a fucking human. You're not a robot in business. You're a human. You have unique preferences, unique challenges. You've got unique struggles that have come from your unique set of experiences that you've been through in life and in business as you've been growing up until the point that you're at now. And I apply grace just it's not like something that I do. It's a way that I be that my clients learn to also do by osmosis. And I think that is the most powerful undercurrent of the work that I do. Grace and removing shame from anything that anyone brings to the table. The other things though, on a very practical note, is what a lot of my clients benefit from massively is being able to voice it out loud. And one of the skills that I have developed over time that I know is so valuable is listening and playing it back to them in a way that adds and offers perspective, in a way that pattern interrupts, in a way that helps them to see how they might be thinking about something that is biased towards conditioning that no longer serves them, things that they're holding onto that aren't even their thoughts. That was their mum's thoughts, or that was their dad's wounding, or that was the conditioning that they were brought up with that actually doesn't serve them as a professional in business anymore. That in itself is just such a valuable um, way for someone to work through their own inner shit and stay committed to being loyal and being and backing themselves through the process of life and business. And that's, I think that's a really important point. When people say to me, well, how much time does this work take? I'm like, you just need to turn up and get coached. Like, it doesn't really matter what space of mind you're in, whether it's one-to-one, whether it's coaching your back pocket, whether it's the Thrive First method, you just need to turn up and do the work because we're going to be using your life and business as your curriculum. It's not, someone said to me on an inquiry call over the summer, and we agreed that I wasn't the right person for her to work with. Someone said to me, I just, I want to learn more. I want to learn more theory. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not for you. I, this isn't the place where you're going to be learning and filling your head. There's nothing wrong, by the way. I'm not shading learning more theory. It's just, you don't come to my work to learn, to fill your head with more stuff. You come to my work to recognize that you're not getting Nikki's wisdom. You're getting your own you're not getting my greatness, you're getting your own. You're being reminded of your own. You're not 
getting my brightness, you're being reminded of your own brightness. It, that That's why you come to my work. And the last thing that I want to comment on is exactly that. I make it easy for you not to get stuck in the why. That's like one of the things that I notice every single time. If this particularly applies to my clients who come to my work, who've had therapy. So for anyone who is thinking about coming to my work and you've had therapy or you've had some sort of, um, yeah, therapy in the past, what you'll know is that's a lot about exploring where things come from and helping you to process those things. And my work is different because what I do, and none is right or wrong or better or worse, it's just explaining the differences. What my work is about is helping you not get stuck on the why that you're acting that way or you're behaving that way or you're thinking that way about yourself, but acknowledging it and helping you to move into creating change very simply and act like active change, not theoretical, not vague, not airy-fairy, let's talk about it, but there's no actual pragmatic ways that you're going to move through life and business differently. It's acknowledging why you're doing what you're doing and then working to come up with how can we be with you different? How can you be with you different and relate to yourself in a different way that then ripples out into your actions and your behaviors in life and business. It's This is what I mean and this is why I wanted to record this episode because I don't want it to be off-putting that people are saying in their testimonials, yes, it is amazing, but you've got to be prepared to do the work. And for any of you reading those testimonials, you might be thinking, what the fuck is the work? <laughs> How do I know if I'm prepared to do it if I don't know what it is? And in addition to that, how do I know I'm going to be able to do it? I'm telling you, you are going to be able to do it because you're going to be supported. If you're listening to this and you listen to my episodes and you think, this is the work for me, I want you to trust the nudges that you are getting internally. And of course, it goes without saying, providing you are in a financial situation that means that you can invest in yourself without putting yourself in a negative situation that would apply pressure on you financially, because that's not something that I want you to have to deal with in order to work with me, then trust some nudges, book in the inquiry call, and let's see together, let's co-assess whether this work, any of my services would be useful, beneficial for your next step in your own personal development that then ripples out into life and business. So I hope this episode has served for you to get closer to the work that I do and also to remove any ambiguity around what people actually mean when they say, yeah, it's amazing, but be prepared to do the fucking work. Right? <laughs> I hope that this has given you that clarity. As always, please never forget, I am always cheering you on and I really do hope that you are cheering you on too.